0: Thank you for listening to the Modesto Foursquare podcast. We hope that this message encourages and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Please know that you can always join us every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, 510 Bernie Street in Modesto. You can also find more information on our website at ModestoFoursquare.com. Jonah, when's the last time you talked about Jonah in church? It's probably been a while, so... book of Jonah. That's in the Old Testament or the old part of the Bible. If you don't know where that is, you're more than welcome. And never feel bad. Even as a pastor, sometimes I forget which order books are in. It's okay. You can go to the front of your Bible and to tell you exactly what page that particular book's on. There's no shame in that. Like, you know, maybe in Sunday school way back when we would memorize all, you know, all the books of the Bible in order. But if you don't have them memorized, it's perfectly okay to look in the front, right, and figure out where we're at in the Bible. All right. So we are going to be starting a new adventure through the story of Jonah. Um, Over the next several weeks, we're going to be going verse by verse through, I think, a really awesome Old Testament book of the Bible. it's obviously one that if you ever, you know, were in old-timey uh, Sunday school, you remember the, the flannel graph, right? You know, they had the little board and they'd stick the character. I loved that. I thought that was like the coolest thing ever. I didn't care about videos in, in Sunday school. I just wanted the teacher to put like Jonah up on there and like David and all, you know, you know anybody remember that? Am I the only one in here? Remember flannel graph? Gosh. Man, I, I, for a while when I was a youth pastor, I wanted to get another one. I, I was like, do they make flannel graph? And I wanted to do it with a youth group. They didn't think it was quite as cool as I thought it was. But the book of Jonah, we're going to be talking about what it looks like to walk through hard things, right? We're going to be discussing how not to be Jonas, okay? So a lot of times in Church, we look at uh, good examples, you know, like David and Goliath, and we look at, you know, Paul in the New Testament, and we look at all these really great biblical characters, right? And we say this, you know, they did this, so we should follow in their footsteps. This is the opposite of that, okay? We're going to look at the life of Jonah, and we're going to say, this is how not to walk through hard things, okay? This is the opposite example, of, um, of seeing how to live, and so there will be, don't worry, lots of practical action steps. You guys know how I roll up here, but do you know that the Bible is more than a bun- bunch of just good stories, right? You know that even the Old Testament, we, we see these stories, right? They, they seem really cool. They're, they're more than just cool stories, right? I believe that the Bible, the scriptures, are really a guidebook, a manual, so to speak, for how to live our lives, right? Back in the old days, before the interwebs, they used to have these books on how to fix your car, right? Like I have a 19, 1988 Chrysler New Yorker, right? And you'd flip through, you'd be like, okay, I need to change out the water pump. Okay, to flip to page 52. This is how to take out a water pump, right? Before somebody on YouTube would tell you how to do it and you could watch the whole video and do all those types of things, right? But it's, it's a manual. I think of that when I think of manual. It's, it's a manual for, for practical living as followers of Jesus, right? There's nothing that we can face, nothing that we can go through that we can't go to the Bible and say, okay, this is how God tells us how to do this, right? There's nothing that we've faced or gone through that we couldn't say, there isn't a story in here that will help direct me on the path that I'm supposed to go with the Lord, right? There's no trial that God does not have wisdom for. There's no obstacle that the Lord does not have answers for, right? Our God and his word to us, the scriptures, the Bible, are the greatest sources of wisdom and guidance, right? In this life. I, I, I like to think that we don't, as Christians, have to Google it, right? You ever, like, had something hard? You're like, I don't know about this. I don't know. You know, back in the old days, you, have to, you, have to, you used to have to get, like, um, encyclopedias when you want to learn stuff, right? Does anybody have, like, a, a thing of this? I had not think of, like, encyclopedias. I think my parents bought it from one of those, like, door-to-door encyclopedia salesmen. Did anybody ever make one of those before? Right? So before Google, for all the young ones, there was these things called encyclopedias. But now... We can just Google it, like, how do I change a water pump, or how do I, you know, whatever. Uh, We don't, as Christians, have to Google life, right? How do I go through this hard thing, right? We can go to the scriptures, right? We don't have to just figure it out on our own, right? We can seek the face of our Savior, and he will supply all insight and all truth in this topsy-turvy life that we live in. We can dive into prayer and the scriptures to find the answers that we seek, Because the reality is, church, that we will go through hard things, right? Do you know that truth? Life is not easy, not always easy. In fact, most of the time, it's hard, right? Wouldn't anyone agree with that? It's hard. Life is difficult. And it's not wrong as Christians to say life is hard, okay? Basically, All the Psalms of David are David saying, life is hard. I need God, right? If you boiled all the way like a hundred Psalms down, it's life is difficult, right? How do I walk through this? Something hard's going on out there with those sirens. We face sickness. We face pain. We face confusion and lack and loneliness and so many other things on this human journey, right? Life is difficult at times. And this isn't a bummer message. I'm not meaning to be that, right? Life's so hard. Let's all just sit in the corner and, you know, cry together, right? That's not what I'm saying. But we go through difficult things, and it's okay to admit that things are hard, right? Because when we admit that things are hard, we allow space for God to move in our lives, right? When we act like we have it all figured out, if we, if we just say, you know, I got this all together, right? There's no room and no space for God to be in the middle of that, because I've got it figured out. Tyler's got it, right? When really none of us got it, okay? None of us got it. We're all works in progress. Sometimes church, our kids don't follow the God that we love, right? Sometimes we get laid off from our jobs. Sometimes we have coworkers that just are stinkers, right? Sometimes our bodies don't work the way that we want them to. Anybody ever feel that way? Sometimes the people that we love die, right? Sometimes anxiety and depression can overwhelm our souls, right? We all go through difficult things. Sometimes stuff happens, right? But when life happens, how do we respond as followers of Jesus? How do we walk through the hard things that the world throws at us? And how do we do this without becoming cynical, angry, overwhelmed or lost, right? Because we can all walk through difficult things, but sometimes we come out the other side a worse version of ourselves than we were before we walked through. And I don't want that. I want to be a stronger follower of Jesus as I walk through the difficulties of life than I was on the other side, right? I don't want to become cynical and mean and angry, right? Just because you walk through something doesn't mean you're closer to Jesus, right? I want to come out the other side looking more like Christ, right? This is the way of Jesus, The Christian life is not one without challenges or trials, but is one where we get to do life with the Savior of the universe right by our side, right? Get to do life with God. We're never alone, right? We're never on our own. We never have to, like I said, just Google it or figure it out, right? The God of the universe is walking us through the difficulties of this life, the valleys and the darkness, right? He is present with us. He is fighting for us. Church, we are not alone, right? That is a lie from the enemy that says when you're going through that hard thing, you are all by yourself. Not a soul cares about you and God doesn't care about you either, right? Isn't that a lie that we hear? We're not alone. We're not abandoned. We're not without hope. We're not unloved. Instead, God dwells with us and he guides us, right? He shows us the way he steers us, he provides for us, right? Do we believe that? Is that just something we read on Sunday mornings and then we go home and we live a whole different way, right? Well, the Bible says God provides, but I I, got to figure this out on my own, right? Because sometimes, to be honest, the version of ourselves that we bring here on Sunday mornings is different than the version of ourselves that lives on Monday afternoon, right? Right? Because it's hard to follow Jesus sometimes. It's, it's, sometimes we just want to grit it out, right? Can figure this thing out. James 1. This is a great passage of Scripture. It's super encouraging. James 1, 2 through 5. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when God lavishes great gifts upon you and life is perfect. Is that what it says? When God drops your Lamborghini from the sky into your driveway right when all of a sudden your bank account is filled with cash is that what it says consider it pure joy brothers and sisters when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete don't you want to be mature and complete right i always think of the the book that many of us read together uh, emotionally healthy spirituality where peter Scazzaro, pastor peter scazerro says you know, he met this guy and he had walked with Jesus for 30 years. And he said, what I realized is that he was a one-year-old Christian 30 times, right? He wasn't a 30-year-old Christian. He was a one-year-old Christian 30 times over, right? I don't want that to be me. I want to be a mature Christian as I grow with Jesus. I don't want to go through the same things over and over again, right? I've learned over my life, this isn't a knock on anybody, but just because you're old doesn't make you wise, right? Sometimes old just makes you crotchety right? <laughs> and sometimes being young doesn't make you dumb, right? What does it say in, in, to Timothy? It says, don't let anyone look down upon you because you are young, right? But be an example in the way that you live your life, right? right. Age is not a wise thing, right? There are very wise young people and there are very not wise old people and vice versa, right? But let perseverance finish its work, that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you, right? This is at the heart of our new journey of, of walking through Jonah together is verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, right? Not Google. Who gives generously, or if maybe you guys, old-timers, maybe you use Yahoo, I don't know, but... Um, The rest of us use Google, but you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. We are seeking, I think, church, as we walk through this life, seeking the wisdom of our Savior as we walk through hard seasons of life. We're choosing to root and ground ourselves in His truth, right? Not our truth. We're deciding to do things His way, not our way. We're leaning into His loving kindness all while we face the difficulties and challenges that will constantly come. As long as you are breathing air, there will be difficulties in this life. It's just how it is. I, I love, I, I wish I could talk to Marilyn and she'd say, well, you know, I, I don't face any hard things anymore, right? Because I've, I've, once, you, once you go over the age of 75, hard things just go away, right? I wish that was the case. So we're going to look, we're going to use the story of Jonah to teach us what only the scriptures can, right? There are some things we can only learn from God's word, right? All right, let's dive in. Jonah chapter one, verse one. That's like the longest intro there. So we're only going to go, it's, it's only 1052. So we're only going to go until about uh, 125 when the 49ers game starts, so. <laughs> the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amirt- Am- Amittai, Go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying a fare, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish for to flee the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own god. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Where do you come from? What is your country, and from what people are you? Verse 9, he answered, I am a Hebrew and worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew that he was running away from the Lord, because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Verse 12. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that the great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you. Lord, you have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And at this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Cool story, right? Anybody been in the belly of fish for three three days? Okay, Sal has, so he, he'll have to tell you about it. So scholars are not sure who wrote the book of Jonah. Some say Jonah did, but I honestly think he probably didn't because why would Jonah as an autobiography present himself as as such a knucklehead, to be honest, right? I think he's a little too honest about his flaws and failures to be the central character of his own autobiography, I think. You'd think if Jonah wrote it, he would show himself to be a little bit of a hero, right? As opposed to you know, uh, the reluctant prophet that he was. That, that's how I described Jonah. He was a reluctant prophet, okay? And so we see that Jonah is called by the Lord to be a prophet, or prophet just means messenger, right? Sometimes we think it's like this mysterious thing. Mysterious is not a word, mystical word, right? Just means messenger. To the Ninevites, okay? And so God spoke two things to Jonah, right? Very clear things. I love that God is, is clear with us, right? He doesn't expect us to figure a lot of things out because we're just not really that smart. Um, so, number one, go to Nineveh. Simple, right? Go to Nineveh. And call the city to repentance. Those are the two things that God speaks to know about, I mean, uh, Jonah about. Jonah did not ask for this role of responsibility, right? But it was laid upon him by the Lord. He didn't say, hey, God, I want to be a prophet. I want to go to Nineveh, right? The reality is that God was asking his servant to go to the largest city in the known world and bring a pretty unpleasant message, right? This wasn't going to Nineveh and saying, you guys are doing a great job, keep up the good work, right? It was go to Nineveh, tell them that they are sinning against their God, and tell them either to repent or God is going to crush them, right? That's the message that is given to Jonah, right? And Nineveh at the time was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire, it was an intimidating place to go as a messenger of the Lord. On top of this being a great and powerful city, they were known to be abundantly wicked and evil, right? They had forsaken the ways of God long before Jonah. So, with this mission in mind, I'm sure Jonah was thinking in his mind best case scenario is I'm mocked and thrown out of the city, right? Worst case scenario, they drag me in the street and beat me to death, right? There is no good case scenario in Jonah's mind, okay? I'm either mocked or I'm killed, okay? Those are my two options here in the city of Nineveh. Who signs up for that mission, right? I'm going there, God. I want to go to Nineveh, right? On top of all that, honestly, Jonah didn't like the Ninevites. And he wanted them to be punished for their failures, right? He said, God, they deserve that. Just crush them. They don't deserve another prophet to go tell them anything. Those people, right, they don't deserve the message of God, right? He didn't think these people deserved the mercy of their God. And reminder, none of this is what Jonah signed up for, right? He didn't go to seminary, right, and say, hey, I want to be, I want to be a prophet, you know, can you teach me how to be a prophet, right? All these things, no. God called Jonah, a reluctant prophet, to go and do these things he didn't want to be a prophet he didn't want to go to Nineveh anybody ever feel that way I don't want to God like I don't want to do that thing I don't want to walk you think of like a kid kind of mom I don't want to unload the dishwasher right that's kind of how I imagine Jonah I don't want to go mow the backyard right I don't want to he didn't want to rebuke the city he didn't want to show mercy to sinners. Jonah didn't want any part of this. Do You ever feel like you are where you don't want to be? Anybody ever feel that? Like you didn't sign up for what you're in the middle of? Right? Anybody feel that way? Right? You didn't sign up for that? Like life is just happening to you and you don't like it. Anybody ever feel that? Alright? Let's be honest. Come on. This is the reality of Jonah. This human existence, this life is hard, and we don't always get to do what we want to do. We aren't always where we want to be, right? But what do we do when life doesn't go our way, right? When we are where we don't want to be, maybe we haven't even placed ourselves there. In this story, Jonah pretty much placed himself there, right? We're going to see that. And sometimes we get ourselves into our own set of trouble, right? Sometimes we like to say that things have happened to us when really we're the ones who've gotten us where we are right now, right? We've dug our own hole and we've jumped inside of it, right? If we're really honest with ourselves. And so Jonah, what do we see him do? He ran. He ran as fast as he could run. He hopped on a boat for Tarshish, which is literally the end of the world, right? That's what it is. Tarshish is the end of the world. I want to get as far away from Nineveh as I could possibly go. I'm jumping on a boat, and I'm going to the ends of the earth to get away from God, right? And he probably justified himself by saying something like these things. Well, if God didn't want me to go to Tarshish, he wouldn't have brought me a boat, right? And if he didn't want me to get on the boat, he wouldn't have got, gave me the money to get on the boat, Right? And if God really wanted someone to go to Nineveh, can't he just send somebody else? Right? Anybody ever make excuses with God? Right? None of you guys have, of course. Or maybe God doesn't really need me. Right? He'd just, he just find another person to go to Nineveh and, and have this message. Right? Great excuses. Have you ever found yourself running away from God and giving him excuses as you run, right? Has anybody ever done that before, right? We always have good ones, right? We're pretty good at making excuses as human beings, right? Have you ever tried to find an an out from obedience, right? Well, God, like the Bible kind of says that, but like you could also kind of read it this way, right? So I can do what I want to do, right? Where's my loophole? right? I call it loopholes. We're always looking for loopholes as followers of Jesus, right? Maybe you're not, but I am. Pastor David Gizek, I love this, he says, speaks of this strategy of running away. He says, when you run away from the Lord, you never get where you're going, and you always pay your own fare, right? You never get, your, you never get where you're going, and you always pay for it, right? Another theologian said to Jonah, he said, why didn't Jonah just read Psalm 139? right? Verses 7 through 11, right? To see that running away from God was a bad call, right? We're going to read that together. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, which Jonah will, you are there. If I rise on the wings of of the dawn, if I settle on the side of the sea, if I get on a boat to Tarshish, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast, right? There is no place you can go from God. We cannot hide from God. And this is just what Jonah tried to do. He got on a boat. He tried to sail as far away as he could get. And in the the midst of his journey, the Lord came after him, right? Came after his prophet, right? And we see the story says, God brought winds and waves against this boat. Like these experienced sailors, these were not like newbies. They didn't just like jump into a little boat that day. These people were experienced, rough sailors. They had never seen a storm like what was brought against this boat, right? They were so scared that they began to pray to their pagan gods, right? Throwing cargo overboard to lighten the load of the boat. But where was the man of God? Where was Jonah, right? What does it say? Where was this man that God who had a God that was worth praying to, right? They were praying to these pagan gods, but where was the man who actually had a God who could do something? He was asleep, right? Again, Pastor David Gizek says, what a curious and tragic scene. All the sailors were religious then, devout in their prayers to their gods. Yet their gods were really nothing and could do nothing. There was one man aboard who had a relationship with the true God, Who knew his word and worshipped him, yet he was asleep. Jonah had buried his hand in the sand, or head in the sand, or pillow, you might say. And he was on the run from his problems. He was on the run from God. And at that point, the sailors they figure out, right, that Jonah's the problem. Okay? And they confront him. In fact, as he was, it says as he was getting on the boat, he had told them that he was running. From this mission that God had for him, right? They should have like probably thought about that. Like this guy's running from this God that we're really afraid of. Maybe we shouldn't let him on the boat, right? That's, that's kind of bad on them, I would say. But at this point, they, they come to Jonah and Jonah knows the truth, right? And Jonah tells him, pick me up, throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault, right? Jonah. Jonah calls it, right? Do we ever know that we're wrong, church, and not want to admit it, right? Do you ever know that you're running but you don't want to acknowledge it, right? If I just don't say that I'm running, God won't really know, right? If I don't admit it, right? At least Jonah admits it at this point, right? It's kind of hard to admit it when all your, all your fellow sailors are about to die on a boat because of your fault, right? And his fellow friends I love this. They do the opposite. And you know why I love it? Because they show that they're more selfless than Jonah. These people who don't even know the one true God are willing to sacrifice themselves by pushing their boat the opposite direction to save the life of Jonah. They're so afraid that they're going to throw this man overboard, right? They're even more selfless than him. They even began to cry out in prayer to a God that they didn't even believe in. but to no avail, right? God had a plan for Jonah. So they had to throw him overboard. And and the scriptures say that he was swallowed up by a great fish. We're going to leave it there uh, in the story. But what do we learn from this, church? What, how do we take what we've talked about this morning and and put it into practice? How do we not become Jonahs? okay? Number one, we cannot avoid hard things. Charles Spurgeon, theologian Charles Spurgeon, who I love to quote because he's amazing. He says, I want men or women of stern resolution, for no Christian is awake unless he is steadfastly steadfastly determined to serve his God, come fair, come foul. Right? We don't get to just serve Jesus when it's easy. Right? When he doesn't expect anything of us. Right? We cannot run away from difficult people or difficult circumstances. We cannot make excuses for being disobedient to the Lord. We cannot hide from God. We have to face things head on. We have to do the right things when no one else is looking. When we don't get credit. We have to have godly conflict where necessary, right? We can't just avoid, 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 right? We have to deal with things. We have to extend forgiveness freely, right? That's hard at times. You're like, but God, that person, don't you see them? Why do I have to extend forgiveness to those people? Sound a little bit like Jonah, right? These are all hard things. We don't want to have hard conversations with people. We don't want to trust in God when life isn't going easy, right? We want to pout, We don't want to be out of control of our own lives. But the Lord calls us to do hard things. That's the way of Jesus. In the kingdom, hard things lead to the best things. In the kingdom of God, hard things lead to the best things. When we walk through them, right? And we come out the other side. So let's not run away from the challenges and obstacles of this life, but work through them, right? Number two. We cannot make excuses for taking the easy road. Anybody ever want to take the easy road? The, like the low road, right? God talks about the high road. You're like, that person did that to me. I want to take the low road, right? I want to take the old way. You know, that, that old version of yourself, you know, that, that maybe, you know, it's 25 years that God has been working on you, but sometimes you just go back to that, you know, that kind of like dark alley version of yourself, right, where you just want to take care of it, right? You want to take the low road. Right? Maybe, maybe some of you guys are just way more spiritual than that, but for the rest of us, um, sometimes you want to take the low road. Sometimes as Christians, we think that if something is hard, it must not be from the Lord. I want to say that again. Sometimes as Christians, we think that if something is hard, it must not be from Jesus. That is false. Right? That is false. God calls men and women to climb tall mountains. He calls us to till hard ground, right? He tells us to reach out to challenging people. He has big dreams for us. Just because something is difficult does not mean that is not exactly where God has you to be, right? But in our American culture, we want to run away from hard things because if it's hard, it must not be from Jesus, right? Let's not make excuses for bad behavior. Let's not make excuses for disobedience. Let's own our stuff, right? I love that Jonah at one point just says, You know what? It's me. I messed up. Throw me off the boat, right? Let's own our stuff. Repent and turn from our prior actions, right? That's what repentance is. Repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is saying, I'm sorry, and then you turn and you go the opposite direction of the way that you were going, right? There's no more room for cheap sorries in the church. Let's say we're sorry and let's go the opposite way. Let's be honest and let the Lord restore us. We say this a lot around here, and you're going to get tired of me saying it, but that's okay. Following the way of Christ is harder but it's better and it's more fulfilling when we follow the way of Jesus, right? There's been many times in my life where I know that God has called me to something and then I walk into it and man, it is hard. Oh gosh, it's so hard. I mean, there's been times it's so hard. It's like, I can feel like I can barely even breathe. It's so hard. You're like, God, I can't even go on one more minute in this situation. Anybody ever felt like that before? God, I can't even go on one more second in this moment. You know, and I go, I go to that those Psalms of David like, God, why did you flee from me? Why did you leave me out here to die? Right? Maybe you guys never say that. And then I'm remind- reminded that God called me there. You're like, okay, God, this stinks. But if you called me here, you're going to make a way through this thing. And there's something you want to teach me and grow in me. There's something you want to develop in me. Right? The way of Christ is harder, but it's always better. So let's not be a people who avoid hard things or make excuses. All right, I'm going to give you a few things to do now. This is what we we can do. Number one, we need to remember who we belong to. We are saved by grace, not by our good works, right? We are restored by the work of the cross, We were bought with a price, and we are children of the King of Kings, the Most High God. We belong to Him, the God of the universe. We are His, and we serve and we follow Him, right? We serve God. We belong to Him. We are part of His family. Number two, I mentioned this earlier. We need to remember our calling. Remember that the Lord has called us to a higher standard. He has asked much of us. People are watching our lives as followers of Jesus, and they're asking us, what is this Christian going to do in the middle of this circumstance, right? How do we look like to the rest of the world? How do we serve him in word and in deed, right? It's easy to say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, right? In this room, it's harder to go do that when something hard comes up and people are watching you and saying, what is that person who professes to be a Christian on Sunday? What are they gonna do on Monday, right? We have to remember our calling. We are called to be reflections of the living God, right? Number three, we've got to remember that we're not alone. We always have the Lord alongside us. His spirit lives within us, and with him there is nothing impossible. With him there is nothing that is too hard, right? What is that passage that says, I'm crushed, right? Right? those things that come around me and oppress me and crush me, right? But I'm not destroyed, right? Thank you, Jesus, for that. Because there's been times I feel like I'm in Joe Vieira's little crusher over at his shop, right? And it's just like life's just crushing me like a little car and I'm going to turn into this little ball of nothingness, right? Anybody ever feel like that before, right? Nothing is too hard for God. He is with us and he is for us. We're not, we're not destroyed, right, when we go through difficult things. Number four. We need to lean into and not away from the narrow road. The way of a Christian is to look like, sound like, be like Jesus. He is our only true example. We can't just say, well, I can do that because Ray does it, right? Or I can do it. That's like a very like fourth grade thing. Well, my sister did it, so I, I'm a, it's okay for me to do it, right? I was, the, I was the youngest of three, so I was always blaming my siblings, right? Well, I saw my brother Chris do it, so I, that must be, make it okay, right? Anybody? Nobody's ever done that before. All right. For the rest of us. He is our only true example. He is our aim. Let's not set our goal any, any lower than Jesus, right? I don't want to look like everybody else. I want to look like who God has made me to be, and I want you to look like who God's made you to be. And He's calling us all up, right, to be who he's made us to be in the, di- in the midst of difficult things, right? Let's do hard things together, church. Isn't that fun? It seems weird, But I'm telling you, if we face the difficulties in this life, the fruit will be bound, right? We're going to read this later on, and I'm going to to ruin the story for you guys if you haven't read the book of Jonah. He goes to Nineveh, and they repent. And they all turn from their wicked ways, right? All of them. God brings fruit when we do hard things, right? Right? I don't drink wine, but isn't that how wine's made, right? They crush the grapes, right? They crush them, and then something, I, don't, I think it's disgusting, but for some people, deliciousness comes out of it, right? When we do hard things, God produces fruit. I'm going to have the worship team come back up. I want to just create room for us to respond this morning. Maybe you're here this morning, and you're just facing something hard right and you just heard this guy talk at you for 40 minutes and God is here in this space with us right scripture says where two or three are gathered God's spirit is there with them and so I just I just want to open up the altars this morning there's nothing special about this particular this carpet is plated in gold I'm sorry it's plated in gold up here in the front we we bought it special just for knees to feel good when they kneel down so there's nothing special about this space up front Except for it's a, it's a physical representation of what God is doing in our heart when we come to the altar before the Lord. But maybe you're just dealing with something hard and you just need to bring it before the Lord and just say, God, I don't, I don't got this. I don't have this. I've tried to Google it and I can't figure it out, right? I need you in the middle of this hard thing, right? I need you in the middle of this physical thing. I need you in the middle of this mental thing. I'm struggling, God, in my mind. I need you in the middle of this kid who doesn't want to follow Jesus. I need you in the middle of my wife who doesn't like me today. I need you in the middle of my cars broke down and my dog died and, you know, the, the country song, right? I just Life is hard. And I want us just to, just to make space to come forward. And then for those of you who are doing okay, I want you to come and I want you to lay hands and pray. I want us to be the church, right? Being in the church doesn't mean we sit next to somebody in church. It means that when somebody's going through something hard, we stand with them, we pray with them, we encourage them, we love them, we speak prophecy over them, we speak encouragement over them. There's little, I call them vials of oil up here. There's little vats of oil up here. Anoint, somebody's got some physical infirmity, what does Scripture say? Anoint them with oil and gather the elders of the church to pray over them that God might heal them, right? So we're just going to open up this space. We're going to sing another song and just encourage you to stand with us and and just to... um, engaged this morning. I'm going to pray. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word to us. We love you. We thank you. You are amazing and awesome. We don't want to pass by this moment when you're doing something, God. There are people in this room that there's, there's something stirring in their hearts right now, and the enemy is telling them to stay in their chairs, and you're telling them to get up and go up front to receive what you have for them, Lord Jesus. Help them to have the boldness to go forward and to receive all that your spirit has this morning. Lord Jesus, that we are not alone when we walk through difficulties, that you are there by our side. Lord, let us rely on you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's respond, church. Mm.